if you saw a nipple <laughs> oh hello there this is the carpenter queens podcast coming to you live from the employee bathroom at the tcq video store where you can pick up the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day welcome fellow queerdos i am employee of the month even though i'm on my final warning nicholas and i am officially off my final notice raymond <laughs> And welcome to the Carpenter Queens, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome in. (laughs) We do have new films over to the left, the new releases. We move them over to the left wall, so you'll notice them right away. I hope Mm -hmm, you like. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. the triple X section is still in the back. It's uh, behind that red curtain over there. I hope you guys like the new red curtain. It has beads. Ooh. Anal beads. <laughs> You're so gross. Hi, everyone. We hope you guys liked last week's episode. Hush, I had a ball. Yeah, hush. I mean, we it was hush was essentially us just sitting here like jerking off <laughs> Mike Flannery. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It was essentially us just like gushing over the writer, director, producer, score, editor. Talented, brilliant, <laughs> incredible. But it was great. It was great. Like, what's not to like book movie? Never the same. I know. I feel like we kept saying, oh my God, you just have to watch <laughs> you just have to watch this movie. And I we should have had like a counter for how many times we said so well done. So well done. Well done. Well I done. Felt well like done. They well would done. have gotten annoyed by the end of that episode <laughs> just hearing that every single time. What are we watching this week that's keeping you spooky? Have you watched anything fun? Anything keeping you up to date? Um, other than this week's uh pick, I unfortunately haven't had time to keep up with anything spooky. A bitch has been working OT, so she's vaccinated. <laughs> and she's vaccinated with her first dose. So um, I've been a little bit busy. I haven't been able to stay as spooky as I'd like to. Um, but hopefully She's now that busy things... building antibodies, <laughs> yeah, but hopefully that hopefully these will start to slow down a little bit at work, but work's been kicking my ass. So like any downtime I have is me time, which really would be like horror movie time anyways, but I like to do <laughs> other stuff too. I've, I've been trying to catch up on my geeky stuff. So I've been putting horror on the back burner. What geeky stuff? Um, like my theme park stuff. Uh, you know me, I love to watch like theme park videos and theme park updates. When do you guys officially open your parks? Uh, April, April 30th is what I believe. Yeah. Um, from what I gathered, masks are still required. They're even saying no screaming on roller coasters. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to enforce that. Um, and I believe it's obviously only at a certain capacity. So We'll see. I mean, I'm not going to be venturing back out to the parks anytime soon. So at least yeah, not until, no. at least until possibly Horror Nights. We'll see like how well we're doing by the time September rolls around. And mm-hmm. that'll, that'll really like make it or break it for me to see if I'm actually going to be able to attend Horror Nights this year. I feel like even if like we're in the clear to do it, I don't think I'll be like mentally ready just to be like around that many people. Mm-hmm. Just because I've, my partner and I have been, you know, barricading ourselves up in here like it's fucking Resident Evil and we're trying to hold it down up in this bitch. Well, as you should. I mean, we're 
not supposed to be really going anywhere doing anything so but we'll see i mean i feel <laughs> like even if i feel like even when they lift the like mask rule or whatever i feel like mm -hmm. it's still gonna be uncomfortable oh, to be like i'm still gonna have my mask Absolutely. yeah and i'm sure people are gonna look at me like i'm crazy and i'm just like i we spent a whole year like this it's hard to just like not live in fear i'm not ready to like throw my mask up in the air freeze frame like yeah we did it guys covid's over it's covid covid times but while it's covid times i've been trying to catch up on like things that are catching my eye on the internet. So I watched Slacks, S-L-A-X-X -X, on Shudder about killer pants. <laughs> I remember oh, what you were telling me. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. I, anyone who has access to Shudder, please take the time. It's only, I think, 71 minutes. It's super short. It's really, it jumps the gun. It gives you exactly what you're thinking of when you're thinking of killer pants and then some. The whole cast is like a whole retail team and I just want to punch everyone, but only because I've worked retail for so long. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, mm -hmm. this is too real. This <laughs> is too real for me, but it's fantastic. And it has this surprising like gut punch ending that I wasn't expecting from such like a funny film. I remember you mentioned that. So I, I have Shudder, so I'm most, I have the day off today, so I'll probably watch it. Cause I'm really mm -hmm. interested. It, it gives me like rubber vibes. <laughs> like <laughs> that just... was instantly what Easton said. Hi Easton, and now you're listening. Uh, <laughs> it's like rubber, but in my opinion, better. I feel like there's a little bit more substance, even though they're just fucking pants. I will say the puppetry work that they do in it. It's just, it's so fantastic. I love it so much. All right, okay, bitch, mm -hmm. you're selling me, you're selling me. I, John and I also binge watch. We're finally caught up, and we have to wait till Thursdays to watch new episodes. But the new HBO Max uh, comedy drama Generation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Isn't this the one about high school kids? This is the one about high school kids. The, <laughs> I don't want to compare it to Euphoria because it's not Euphoria. Euphoria, I feel like, is so gritty and dark and it does have comedic tones mm -hmm. sometimes, and it's just like far more artistic. Generation has more, far more comedic tones, but I feel like the humor just kind of relies on that like awkwardness of being a teen. Cause there's sometimes where it's funny, but I'm just like, I don't want to look at the screen. <laughs> I feel this too much. I feel very uncomfortable right now. I highly suggest it. Uh, like I said, we binge watched it so quick. The episodes are only 30 minutes. Justice Smith, I believe is his name. Uh, if I get it wrong, I'll have to recorrect myself. But he's one of the lead roles. He plays Chester. Oh, so hot. Okay. I don't know. I saw it and I was like, uh, I'm a little too old. Like, I don't know if I can relate. <laughs> I don't know if I can. <laughs> I I my tea came out of my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I don't know if I could watch a show about high school kids and and stay interested or relate. I mean, you watch Sabrina. Yeah, but that has like a there's a twist to it. Like there's a reason why like it appeals to me because it's dark and it has to do with it's got horror tones and it's got it has to do with witchcraft and demons like there's more to it than just like, oh, these high school kids are problems. It's high school kids with Satan. What's there not to like? Exactly. <laughs> well, I suggest it. I think it's a fun time. 30 minutes is not, you're not wasting any time there. True. I'll, I'll, I'll try an episode. <laughs>
We're going to be moving on to our Slice News update, keeping it short and simple this time because I'm super excited to talk about this week's episode. I will get to that in a moment. But for this week, we talked about it last week. Uh, American Horror Story Season 10 finally came out with a name. So this season, for Season 10, it's going to be called Double Feature. How do you feel? I, I'm i really happy that they're going this route. Um John Squires, I believe his name. We both follow him on Twitter or possibly Instagram. He writes and for Bloody, Bloody Disgusting. Disgust. Uh-huh. He writes for Bloody Disgusting. Made a really valid point on Twitter by saying, excuse me, that <laughs> was my voice cracking. By Hi. saying, <laughs> shut up. Can I speak to the <laughs> manager? manager. <laughs> um, he said that, you know, a lot of the time or most of the time for American Horror Story seasons, they start to lull midway through the season. So mm-hmm. he said it was really smart that they broke one season down to two separate things. So that way they wouldn't suffer. There would be like two short stories. So mm-hmm. that way you'd feel like if they were done more quickly, they wouldn't have to draw it out into a long season. So that way you can just make their point and get it over with. Because a lot of times the season does tend to drag in the middle. Um, but it tends I'm, to drag I'm excited. Her a little bit. I'm excited that it's like this double feature. And the tagline is one by sand, one by sea. And... Uh... I, I dig. I will say I dig. I like the idea of breaking it up. I feel like they, I feel like two things. One, I feel like they're getting us ready for American Horror Stories, mm-hmm. where it's going to be anthology. So they're wanting us to get used to like shorter sections. And shorter I feel like format. that's smart. Mm-hmm. Short, shorter format. And I feel like that works. But also, I feel like this is probably due to COVID times and they couldn't have like a full cast or maybe they had to shoot in different locations for it to be easier for them to film. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. That. Yeah, I'm not saying it as a bad thing because I feel like we've talked about it before when you restrict an artist, new things mm-hmm. start to emerge, their creativity really bursts forward. And I feel like hopefully we'll get that with double feature. Not saying that 1984 was bad, but American Horror Story kind of has like a, a habit Hit of- Hit or miss. Yeah, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 1984 was super fun. I thought it did not take itself seriously, which it shouldn't have. It was stupid. <laughs> Just like a 1980s movie. Exactly. It was a riff on 80s horror. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to talk about 80s horror. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited that this is a new format. So uh-huh. we're, we're changing it up a little bit. And you're right. I didn't even think about the fact that they probably, you know, filmed this during COVID times, as you like to say. <laughs> and so obviously they had some restrictions put on them. So that's probably why they came up with this format. They probably had it like, oh, fuck, we got to switch this up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm I excited. I'm excited. I'm regardless, I'm going to watch the new story. <laughs> The new season. If, we're, if it's bad or good, I'm going to watch it. I know I'm over here trying to critique it. And yeah, I know I'm going to be sitting there every Wednesday night mm-hmm. getting ready for FX. Mm-hmm. They got my money. But for next on our news update, we're going to be talking about the movie shuffles going on. 2021 is looking like a good time for horror. Uh, these are all subject to change. If, and anything is, we've learned from last year is that... Patent pending. Yeah, everything's patent pending. <laughs> so we're going to do a quick yes or no you're excited and we're just gonna breeze through these because we kind of have a bit of movies to talk about yeah and we've also touched on all these already so we don't need to mm-hmm. dive into them cool okie dokie so first up spiral from the book of saw the new chris rock movie releasing on may 14th 2021 feelings i'm down to watch probably not gonna watch it in the theater but i'll like mm-hmm. rent it or something yeah i'm not i'm not devoting a whole lot to 
a reboot of the Saw franchise because it really dragged by the end of the series. Oh yeah, I think I'm gonna. Honestly, for me, I think I'm gonna pass because the Saw franchise was just it's it's over. It's it's over for me. It's over. It's over. But for Spiral, I think I'm just gonna pass on it. And if it's good, I'll do the good old reach around and then come right back <laughs> for it. Uh, we have Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead releasing on Netflix on May 21st. It's the, gonna be the new zombie Las Vegas heist. You, it's Zack Snyder. You know, it's gonna be ridiculous, like super mm-hmm. homoerotic mm-hmm, feelings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm excited, but I'm gonna watch it. It's on Netflix. Why not? Zombies, okay. horror, hopefully some homoerotic undertones. Why not? I'm just gonna say yes because. I just hope we get some more oiled, greased up guys like 300. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up on the chopping block is A Quiet Place 2, uh, slated to drop May 28th, 2021. Feelings? I'm nervous because I have a feel like they're going to go in the like action realm over like the suspenseful realm that they had in the last film. Mm-hmm. But. I'm gonna say yes, I know I'm gonna watch it, but I'm just upset because I'm not gonna feel comfortable to watch it in a theater. And A Quiet Place, I feel like deserves to be played in the mm-hmm. loudest speakers that you can have. So yeah. yes, but disappointed. Yeah, I we watched A Quiet Place one in the movie theater. I remember I was horrified quite because I knew so it, it relied on sound and everything. I was like, oh, it's gonna get me, it's gonna get me, it's gonna get me. So good. Um, after that is The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, slated to drop June 4th, 2021 on HBO Max? Theaters and HBO Max same day. Got it. I'm Feelings. hyped. I'm, I'm very hyped. I love the Conjuring series. Yes. Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga, Farmiga, Farmiga. I'm excited for both. I hope she had, I hope her collars are even higher in this <laughs> iteration. I, you. yeah, I agree. I mean, we're both fans of the Conjuring universe, essentially. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Series. Because um, I'm not <laughs> really, not big, yeah, I'm not a fan of like Annabelle and, and the nun was awful. But the Conjuring, the Conjuring always delivers. So I'm super Smacks. excited for this one. What does it do? It slaps. <laughs> excited, excited, excited. Uh, Don't Breathe 2, August 13th, 2021. I'm hesitantly excited because it's not the same director, but he is writing it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's been quite a bit of time. So I'm probably going to have to do a rewatch before I watch Don't Breathe 2. Because Don't Breathe, I remember, shocked me at the end. I thought it was still really good. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not exactly the top of my favorites from like the past 10 years. I think I'm going to go the same route I did on Spiral and just say I'm going to not watch this in theaters and wait till it comes out and rent it. Probably. Or not even rent it, but stream it. Um, <laughs> that's the same thing I did for Don't Breathe 1. I didn't watch it in theaters. I waited till it came out. I didn't out. either. Yeah. yeah, I did too. I got <laughs> it. Uh, next, then we have Candyman. Hopefully, I really want to be able to watch this in the theaters. I really hope we can watch this in theaters. But August 25th. I hope so. I hope that we reach a, a really good tipping point where we're like slowly venturing into some sort of normal that we can watch this in theaters because this this one as well as like the next two that are coming up deserve to be watched in the movie theater and i, I need to watch to. the movie theater and segueing with that next up after that is halloween kills slated to drop october 15th of this year which obviously we're excited for we can't have a podcast called The Carpenter Queens and not be hyped <laughs> to watch Halloween Kills. Easy. <laughs> Next. 
Uh, after that is Last Night in Soho, slated to drop October 21st, 2021. We talked about this twice before. Edgar Wright, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say hesitantly, yes. I want a trailer first. I still yeah. haven't seen anything. So once I see a trailer, then I'll probably be absolutely in for the kill because my October looks like a great busy month for horror fanatics. Oh yeah, because lastly, rounding out the last of October is Antlers slated to drop October 28th, which I know you're excited for. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for. Anything <laughs> that has that like creepy, disturbing, it's going to keep me up at night aesthetic, oh, mm-hmm. I'm just, I will p- plug it in right now. And I'm excited for like a almost like supernatural kind of creature feature mm-hmm. type deal. I'm all here for it. Oh, I'm absolutely here for it. That closes out our Slice News update. <laughs> Uh, please phone in for more updates. We're eagerly waiting by the phone. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's actually plugged in today. So hit us <laughs> up. <laughs> We're moving on to this week's movie. I've been hyped to do this one. It's been on my calendar since we started the podcast and I can't wait to slide this. Ew, uh, I can't wait. Whoa, to- <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this one. It is going to be Chopping Mall from 1986, directed by Jim Wynorzik. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking knew it. I knew it, bitch. I knew you were going to fuck up his name. Whatever. I want to, the, I want to say to the trailer. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. It dead meat. But you're never alone in the chopping mall. What's that? Robot life. Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. We can stream this movie on Shudder and Amazon Prime with memberships, or you can rent it, or you could also own it on Blu-ray or DVD, wherever you can get it. I believe Shop Factory still has it. I found it on DVD thrifting. You, This is like the third movie you've talked about that you found it thrifting. I always just like... I, I miss thrifting so much. I haven't been able to thrift because of COVID. Um, I used to find such good, like, old horror movies, especially B-horror movies, because nobody wants to hang on to those. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? But, yes, that brings us on to 420, what you smoking? What did you decide to pair with this week's screening? This week... So Trapping Mall is like my tried and true. I can put that on and just like always have a good time. So this time I paired it with White Widow, which is like an Indica hybrid. It's so tasty. And I treated myself and I put some of my Keef from the bottom of my grinder on. Yes. You know, a little time with Keefa. A little sprinkling of goodness. A little Keefer Sutherland. (laughs) I forgot. Yes. I added some (laughs) Keefer Sutherland. What did you smoke this week? This week, um, I actually got a new cartridge for my pen, a pen that you Ooh. bought me a couple years ago. Um, and this is a sativa hybrid, and it is strawberry tart, and it is oh. very delicious. 
my god that sounds so tasty mm-hmm. there used to be a cartridge that i was obsessed with when i was still working at the dispensary it was strawberry cheesecake Ooh. and it straight up tasted so delicious and creamy which sounds odd but oh it was my favorite <laughs> i loved it this was really good it was like a a nice like e- like a good high mix of both of like a little bit of indica but mostly sativa so i was able to like focus and pens are just so much more convenient don't get me wrong i love smoking out of my little bong or my little bubbler mm-hmm. but pens are very very convenient so i like to switch between the two oh absolutely every time we record as of like the last five episodes i've been smoking the clear which is a fantastic company i believe based here in colorado I love them. They're a uh, CBD THC part guy. And I forget what this one is. Oh, it's blue raspberry. It's so tasty. It tastes like a slushy from 7-Eleven. Mm. Is that like one of those disposables? No, this one I can keep changing out the cartridges. Um, I like disposables, Ooh, but I feel okay. like it's so wasteful and it makes me feel guilty. It is. Same. And sometimes it's just uh, cheaper to just buy like a replaceable cartridge than buying even though I don't know how to dispose time. of those either so I just have literally boxes of cartridges <laughs> <laughs> throw them in the recycling bin girl maybe they'll know well, what to do with them speaking of excess and the land of like overabundance we're gonna be talking about a 1980s in my opinion if you're wanting to watch something that perfectly encapsulates the vibe the feelings and the energy of the 1980s it is chopping mall (laughs) it really is i was so glad you mentioned that because what i don't want to get into right now because i know we're going to go over this some of the stats but one of my first first notes is about how about the opening i'm so excited as soon as we dive in uh, let's get to the breakdown first so we can actually dive in. So Chopping Mall released in 1986. Uh excuse me, March 21st, 1986. Holy crap, that was we just reached our ago. 35th anniversary. A lot of the episodes we've been doing unintentionally, we pick these and we've been lining up the sync yeah. what is it called? The synchronicities? Oh Lord. is that what it's called? Again. Synchronicities. There we go. That's the word. Nothing new, nothing changed, <laughs> same old shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, oh yeah, um, it was released uh, March 21st, 1986. We got a runtime of 76 minutes. When it was released, though, it had a runtime of 95 minutes. It got chopped down. For so that original release was home the video release? audience testing, and we're going to touch on that later on. But after the audience oh. testing, they ended up cutting a good 15 minutes and a little bit more, almost 20, uh, from the <laughs> flick after everything. And I think it actually kind of gives it... it it's a real service to the flick because this movie goes so fast. It does. It, I breeze through this movie. I did not realize it was so oh. short. It's like barely it's even so an good. hour. <laughs> uh, our taglines. I can't wait. We have so many. And we, there was actually like 15 taglines and I just ended up picking my favorites. So we didn't have to go through all of them. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So taglines. Tonight. Park Plaza Mall switches on the world's toughest security force. Absolutely nothing can go wrong. Shop till you drop. Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Buy or die. Shopping mall where they slash their prices and their customers. And then my favorite, my favorite one. Where shopping can cost you an arm and a leg. I know, I know they came up with these taglines when they pitched the story because that's the only, I feel like immediately the, the saving grace. Yeah, the producers were like, oh, no, that's genius. Now we will immediately produce that. <laughs> <laughs> the film was directed by Jim Wernorski. What we decided on, 
going to run with it. <laughs> <laughs> it was helped written by Kim by Jim Wynorski and Steve Mitchell. It also stars a really fantastic 80s cast, in my opinion. Uh, Kelly Maroney as Allison Parks, mainly known from The Night of the Comet, a wonderful cheerleading end-of-the-world movie if you need to watch one. We also have Tony O'Deal as Ferdy Mizell. We have Russell Todd as Rick Stanton. We have Carrie Emerson as Linda Stanton. The one, the only, fucking Barbara Crampton as Susie Lynn, mainly known from uh, Reanimator, this film, and <laughs> one of my favorite characters from Your Next. We also have I have solid film. You're solid nice. film. We also have Nick Siegel as Greg Williams. And I had looked up his IMDB and the one that <laughs> popped out <laughs> was Break Into Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> the one we always reference for any sequel is Electric Boogaloo. We also have Jen Terleski as Mike Brennan, Susie Slater as Leslie Todd, Paul Bartell as Paul Bland, Mary Warnove as Mary Bland, and we will touch upon these characters in a little bit keep them in your back pocket we, <laughs> and rounding out we have a wonderful appearance from dick miller as walter paisley i don't know him by his name i just know him by his face because i've seen him in everything countless horror <laughs> movies um so I, when i saw him I was like of course he's in of this course of course he he's in choppy mall why wouldn't he be and did you clock the <laughs> the dead meat mm -hmm. Yes, I did. I sure did. One of our favorite podcasters slash YouTubers is Dead Meat James, and his opening music has an insert from Dick Miller, and it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's got a soundbite from Chopping Mall by Dick Miller. And shout out to James H. and E. from Dead Meat. We love you. You're so cute. Anyway... <laughs> We have special effects makeup by Anthony Show, uh, make makeup by Blake Shepard, and then I had to put it in because I love this wardrobe. Is wardrobe by Katie Sparks? <laughs> of course, he threw that in. <laughs> um, down to the reviews. IMDb gave it a five point six out of ten. <laughs> that was a that was pretty generous. It, I kind of feel like really. Uh, anyway, well, uh, we're gonna have some arguments <laughs> then today. Round one. Metacritic gave it to excuse me a twenty two percent. Uh, nothing from AV Club. It got a 50% on the tomato meter and a 38% audience score from Rotten Tomatoes. And couldn't find anything on box office. Don't know why. I even looked up like 1986 box office throughout the year. And I couldn't find it on any top 10 or top 20 sometimes like throughout the whole year of 1986. <laughs> so I don't know if that says anything, but it might say a lot about this movie. I, it probably says a lot. <laughs> We're going to move on to production, and I'm so excited. So this wonderful B-movie was built on an $800,000 budget. $800, budget. Does it show? A little bit. Okay. But not, not to the extent where I'm like, oh, this is like unbearable, uh -huh. unwatchable. Um, but yeah, some of the like special effects... Um, the writing, some of it shows that, <laughs> yeah, they had a small budget. But like I said, like, but we all know that this is a B movie. Oh, yeah. You know, what we're watching, watching something called Choppy Mall about killer robots. So it's to be expected. So a budget of 800000 for a B movie is not bad. I'll take it. I don't think so either. And I think what really helps with it is that I think, yes, the robot designs are a little cheesy, but in my opinion, I think they actually look kind of expensive. And the mall setting, yeah. right? The mall setting, I feel like helps really elevate it. 
exactly which is why i was like it doesn't really like because they actually shot it in a real mall or some of it mm-hmm. most of it in a real mall it, it it definitely brought the production value up because if had they tried to shoot this like in like different department stores and try and make it look like a mall or whatever it would have showed yeah. so the fact that they were able to like go through the food court and have escalators and elevators and all that it really brought up the production value it really did uh so we'll start with our script so Wernarski wrote the script with steve mitchell they had both known each other since the 1970s so they apparently met at a comic convention and became quick friends i how nerdy i know i did watch the behind the scenes on behind the scenes on this Apparently they fought quite a bit and I find it a little funny well, because what are you arguing about with killer robots in a mall? <laughs> like, what? No, no, no. They don't die this way. They die exactly. this way. <laughs> like what? Sure. Go off guys. They decided to do a quote unquote Phantom of the Mall type of film. It was also Wynorski's idea to feature robots. He was very inspired by the 1954 film Gog, and I looked up the like some stills from it. The bottom of I those saw, robots, robots, yeah, they look so close uh-huh. to the uh, design that they ended up coming up with. I love this whole like idea of the Phantom of the Mall because mm-hmm. I immediately I think of Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like there's some weird creep who lives in the mall, but he's kind of sweet at heart. And he's also disfigured in the face. Not these robots. These robots don't give a fuck about (laughs) you. I love the robots. So apparently the story took, I feel like it tells, you can totally tell. They wrote the story in 24 hours when they pitched it and immediately Vestron, who was the production company, approved of it, but it took four to five weeks to write the script. Where, (laughs) bitch? Where? Where did did four to five weeks get spent Show me, where's the material? Clock, where's the where's the where's the timesheet? I want to see the hours you clocked in <laughs> and you took developing this script. Cause mama, this script needed work. I think it's hilarious. I think this we're gonna talk about the script because I feel like we have two very differing opinions on this script. <laughs> Originally, it was meant to be filmed at the Beverly Center in California, but apparently they were gonna charge way too much money for all of that, so they quickly switched over to Sherman Oaks Galleria which I used to work at oh, for wow. a good year with thanks to Aldo <laughs> It is my favorite. I think it's so cute. Uh, they also filmed Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Commando here, probably not too far off from these two from this filming date, uh, but they did end up using the Beverly Center for a few exterior shots, which I thought also made sense because on the outside, it does not look like Sherman Oaks Galleria. Yeah. Um... Obviously, like I live in, in Southern California, so as soon as I saw the exterior of the Beverly Center, I was like, oh, shit, they filmed it there? Mm-hmm. And then when we got to the production notes, I was like, oh, they did not film there. <laughs> we couldn't afford to film there. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. It's the Beverly. <laughs> we, had to go, we had to go 10 miles south and go down <laughs> to Sherman Oaks and film there. Did you did you used to work at Sherman Oaks Gallery? I don't remember. No, right? I worked at the Americana. You worked at the Americana. So we both across the street. <laughs> we both come from retail like backgrounds. Uh, so I always mm-hmm. find that's why I think I love this movie because California is so associated to me with retail, and I think that's why this movie like holds such a warm place in my cold, dead little heart. That's fair. That's totally fair. Because you did work, you were a retail slave when you lived here in LA. Oh, I was a retail little bitch when I worked here and worked there in LA. I was working at Sherman Oaks Galleria. I was working at Burbank. I was working at Northridge. I worked at Glendale, Bus. and then I worked at Topanga. Another club. Another club. <laughs> also known as Topanga. <laughs> For the listeners who didn't catch that. 
Uh, so the filming took place over 20 days, uh, 20 days at the mall and then two days at Corman's studio. Um, they had to film everything when the mall was cleared out and closed and they were not to damage any facilities and had to remove, had to be removed without any traces of their presence before the mall opened at 9 a.m. So that just like, that definitely shows that they did not have the budget because they were like, oh, we're going to slide in at 10 p.m. when the mall closes and we got to be out by like 8 a.m. before the mall opens. I can't imagine the night shoots out of the ass and it just, I find it hilarious because <clears throat> a majority of the time, anytime I've worked on any set, you know a you know a set was here after they leave. Like it's mm -hmm. really difficult to have everything cleaned up. So kudos to Sherman Oaks Mall for like, hey, come on in and film in here. But everyone on the cast, when looking in the behind the scenes, was so jazzed to be working in a mall. It was like the epitome and the peak of like popularity and coolness to be working in a mall. It was the 80s. I was just, thank you, thank you. I was just about to say, like, it was the 80s. Mall culture and mall life was at its Ooh. peak in the 80s, which we're gonna touch on more when we actually get to the film. But this movie, I wanna say is like a, a social commentary on mall life and capitalism. Oh no, absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. This movie is ridiculous. Moving on. But it's so fun that it touches on that. Anyway, moving on. Our wonderful Killbots, the stars of the film, were created by Robert Short. The special effects crew ended up building five remote-controlled robots in order to do this. Three were used for whenever they were doing scenes together of all three robots for the three levels, and they had two as backups. They blew one up, and currently right now, I believe there's still only one intact robot that someone owns in New Jersey. The only reason why I know that Ooh. is because the behind the scenes features on here had a segment about him. Apparently he's like <laughs> of the biggest shopping mall fan, and he just happens to have oh one in his garage. <laughs> That of course, I mean that's what you, that's your dream, bitch. That's what you aspire to have. That is exactly what I aspire to have. <laughs> but these robots, I mean, for having a budget of eight hundred thousand dollars, I will say no. The robots look great, especially for this being a mid '80s movie. They look fantastic. Oh yeah. They were apparently made out of car volt batteries, an electric chair motor. Um, with an aluminum frame put over them. And then their wheels, or if you want to call them wheels, were like conveyor belts, essentially, that were designed like tanks. Um, the belts? <laughs> with the belt being the sushi bar <laughs> material. So apparently the belt used for like the, whatever they're called. I don't know. I don't know. No I know mechanics. what you're, neither do I. But I know what you're talking about. Like the, the wheels, like what a tank has. Yes. So the, that strip that the tank has, they had to attach rubber onto mm -hmm. it, but the belt itself is what they use in sushi bar restaurants, the ones that have conveyor belts. I love uh, that. just go around the whole restaurant. Yes, <laughs> I love it. And the hands were actually made from grabber toy claw, claw toys that were from Japan, which I found hilarious. They look, <laughs> like, they look like it, and I can't wait to touch up on it because the things that they have these little claws doing it makes me just die. <laughs> they remind me of the hands from Johnny Five from Short Circuit. You ever seen <gasps> yes. that movie? It was another well, robot that's so, movie. Cause he gets electrocuted too, doesn't he? But he becomes a good guy. I'm sure. I don't remember the details of Jokes that movie. We haven't again. seen it in so long. <laughs> uh, and then the wheels are made from roller skate wheels. Uh, they had a maximum speed of eight miles per hour and weighed fast. anywhere. They are pretty fucking fast. Um, and they weighed anywhere between two to 300 pounds, depending. Those motherfuckers were so 
heavy. Apparently, if any of them were to be moved, they had to use like two to three guys to start <laughs> moving these guys around. I, I feel like even if they weren't that heavy, they still would have had to take two or three guys to lift them just because they were so big. Mm-hmm. And those are like coming from set life, like those are considered uh, hero props. Like they have to remain in pristine condition for filming. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to damage them when you're moving them. Well, these giant motherfucking tanks, essentially, well, they were originally outfitted to be to fit the escalators at the Beverly Center. So when they switched over last minute, uh, they didn't fucking fit. They were too thick for the fucking <laughs> the for the escalators. So in order to pull it off, they created like a fake top part of the robot for the stuntmen to like a shell yeah, for the stuntmen to ride in the escalators, and then just do a quick cut, and then whoop, it's off the escalator. Genius. That is thinking on your feet, bitch. Like, I, I didn't clock it, and I didn't clock it until I saw it in the production notes. And I was like, that is smart. You did? I totally clocked <laughs> I didn't it. Clock it. I was just like, those motherfuckers are too thick to be fitting in those damn things. <laughs> I see you. A, one of my favorite facts about it, which was talked about from the director, was that when the robots make their grand appearance in the furniture store and they break through that glass, all of that glass mm-hmm. that shattered... <laughs> they ended up having to reuse for every single time glass had to be shown because that's how low their budget was. And bitch, you got to do what you got to do. It's very reminiscent of John Carpenter on the set of the 1978 Halloween because they shot that in the spring in Southern California and we're trying to make it look like fall. So they had like a big bag of like fake brown leaves and they were bitch. They were running from scene to scene, throwing those, <laughs> recycling these leaves and re-throwing these leaves. That's what happens when you are on a tight budget. You got to use your resources and use them well. I mean, it's it's perfection. I love I love when small crews just, you got to do what you have to do to pull off your shit. And I would have never noticed. Yeah. I would have never noticed until someone pointed that shit out to me movie magic and like both of us coming from like a film set background we both know we both have for the most part only worked on very small Ooh, low budget yeah. things so a lot of this like <laughs> you gotta pull shit out of your back pocket you gotta fake it till you make it and you just gotta make sure it looks good on screen and you're good and i feel like this movie fully succeeds in that it is a very low budget and it is it is so evident, but from what they can pull off with that, I think is what makes this movie just so special. Mm-hmm. A B movie at its finest. Ooh, yeah, it's a B movie at its finest. Uh, this movie had originally two different titles. The original script was titled Robot, but like R dot O dot. Yeah, like an acronym. Like, a, thank you, an acronym. Fuck, I'm high. But <laughs> I still don't know what Robot stood for and i don't know if they understood what robots stood for <laughs> they probably didn't know what it stood for either, which is why they couldn't sell the title so before studio audiences they switched it over to killbots because they were worried that people would confuse robot with like a kid friendly type of vibe because why not i guess so yeah and then before it went uh f- full us chopping mall which would switch to and not a single chop is done in the whole film insert karate chop noise <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a great title, though. I love the title. It is. It's a simple letter change. And then the only other behind-the-scenes tidbit that I wanted to include at this moment was that the voice of the robots was the director himself, Jim Wynorski. <laughs> and that was not by, like, choice or ego or anything, but he literally, <laughs> like, couldn't find anybody to record the voice of the robots. I was like, fuck it, I'll do it then. Fuck it, we'll do it live. 
<laughs> so let's start this wonderful 80s trip. Thank you. Have a nice day. So are we open with the Park Plaza Mall being robbed? A jewelry store is, is getting robbed from this like basic 80s like thug thief like thief. bad guy yeah <laughs> just some ripped like whitewashed skinny jeans some really messed up sneakers and like a zip up sweater and he just looks like he's mm -hmm. done a line of coke so everyone in the 80s <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we get introduced to the killbots yeah so he's essentially breaking into some jewelry store he thinks he's about to get away and boom that's when the robots make their big debut that, which I love. They were just like right out the gate. They're like, no, this movie's about fucking robots. Here are your fucking robots. And he apprehends the thief, and it just happens to be a fake ad for someone who's showcasing these new high tech program robots there that are designed to protect literally just the merchandise and nobody inside of a mall, which is pure capitalism at its finest. Oh, yeah. I mean, like we said, this is at the height of mall culture in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So uh, I feel like this almost would have been feasible because malls <laughs> were so popular yeah, like no. in the 80s I don't that they would have wanted like high security to not only protect the merchandise in there, but protect the malls themselves. Because, you know, a lot of mall like maintenance and all that goes into keeping a mall pristine. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I feel like this almost would have been feasible. Almost if it wasn't so campy. Exactly. So besides setting up the robots they decide to set up star wars like lockdown doors at every entrance and exit so no one can get in once the door closes and no one can get back in until it reopens at eight or nine i think i forget what the time was i don't remember whatever time balls open exactly but then the weirdest part about this presentation isn't the fact that we're getting introduced to the robots and their main dynamic and how they're supposed to work is that we're introduced to two characters Paul Bland and Mary Bland. And for some reason, as an audience member, you're just supposed to know who these two characters are. Did you <laughs> did you know who these two characters were? I had no idea who they were. Um... To say it, I hope I don't sound ridiculous. I don't know who this man is. I mean, he could be walking down the street. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry to this man. But I related to them almost. <laughs> Only because I'm a snarky bitch and I would be making the side comments during some shitty presentation as well. Mm -hmm. But I had no idea who these people were and I just assumed that they worked at the mall, but they're never to be seen again after nope. this opening scene. <laughs> so they're, they're introduced for... Go. So for some reason, they decided to include characters and like bits from other films as like an insider type of script. Right. Who was the, who was who was the inside for? Just like the director himself, because these two characters are from a 1982 film titled Eating Raul, and apparently they also reference another film, but that's from 1959, and it's a bucket of blood. It it just mm. doesn't make sense, and it's never caught up, and it's never resolved, and they're only there for the opening. It felt very out of place. It didn't. Yeah, it felt very it's out of place. Very out of place. I, I didn't get it, and I'm glad it only they were only included in that one scene because had they tried to drag them throughout the whole movie, it would have been a total disconnect. Because that is the only time, in my opinion, the film just feels so disconnected and just, like, it is the one scene of them just, like, being snarky back and forth that it just, like, it doesn't fit anywhere in the rest of the movie. 
No, because none of the characters are like that. No. And none of this is ever referenced again. It was literally just this one scene and they're gone, never to be seen again. And thank God. I feel like the director was just like, fuck, I told these two actors. I put them in this <laughs> movie. So I'm just going to put them in the beginning. Apparently they improv the full thing and it feels that way. And it's also very racist because at one point, <gasps> the, what is her name? Uh, Mary Bland decides to call the robots ethnic they look ethnic and i'm like what yes. the fuck does that even mean what the hell is even that how the fuck does a robot look ethnic bitch no it was it was very weird it was a total like out of place scene the characters didn't belong there it no just no that they should have cut that out as well but that's this time period because that gets further pushed once that scene is over, we get introduced to the Killbots and we get title card, shopping mall. We get the sick yes. music. Yes, not only sick music, but I'm usually not a fan of opening credits uh, unless it like it furthers the story or sets up the platform on which we're telling our story. And in this movie, I feel like it perfectly sets up a oh, platform. Absolutely. Of- of where we're at in this time period and what kind of movie we're trying to set up here. So this, obviously you just said, we open with a big title card and we have these opening credits. And these opening credits are, in my opinion, a great like time capsule of what mall life was like in the 80s. Because as we've said multiple times already, in the 80s, mall culture was at its high point. And that's where this movie goes with it. it. has inserts of like people shopping people at the food courts they have young couples making out old couples making out um <laughs> disgruntled employees this club's <laughs> got it ah <laughs> you're you're absolutely totally right and i want to say totally as many times as i can because this is a fucking 80s episode to- totally come on pj souls yes but you're right and i think this movie is i think the director was extremely smart in including this in there because now it is i feel like it is very foreign especially now in covid times no one is not supposed to i know people still are going to malls and in the 1980s mall culture what i it really was a culture it was the epicenter of your town it was mm-hmm. where everything was happening if you worked at the mall you were the shit if you went to the mall anytime you could, and we're including just because people would go there to exercise, aerobics. There were actual furniture stores. Everything you see set up in this movie with all of the weird random stores were actually there in malls. They weren't- Arcades. Arcades. They weren't so corporate yet when that would develop. It was still mom and pop shops buying out these stores so that they can still Mm -hmm. be invested within the community. We were having uh, pageants because at one point some kids buy a bunch of swimsuit models because it actually happened during the 80s. Do you remember Tiffany? Tiffany went on a mall concert tour. It's it it perfectly captures Americana at that time period, because after this, we kind of lose that because we go into the 1980s grunge movement, which is anti-establishment and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But this movie is setting up this idea of capitalism. And if you want to dive der- dive further, the robots are that capitalism that then just turn on its society as it goes forward. Essentially, yeah. Got real film theory there for a second. 
sorry, like I wrote this down like while I was watching this. Mind you, this is all still during the opening credits. I said, was this movie made in response to the thriving mall culture of the 80s? Because it depicts mall employees, patrons, and overall mall culture negatively. Not, not like so negatively, but it almost like, like I said, like um, I, for some reason, what sticks out of my head of the opening credits was there was like this mom or somebody carrying this like two trays of food and it was like stacked high with cups and, and shit she looked all annoyed and yeah <clears throat> and then by the time she got to the table she dropped everything and like there was kids skating through the mall and i don't know it some of the things it gave me like the director or the writer had like a negative connotation of what mall culture was like like maybe they were already over it and they were sick of this mall culture see i can see that point but i also see it as a um the energy of the time because that that the opening shot is the only time that we get weird erratic cuts of it's fast forward it's cut really quickly and it there's there's movement there's energy and i don't know if that's just a way for him to set up this is what the daytime is like and then this is what the nighttime is like but it, it just gave off this feeling of pandemonium and this like yeah. erratic nature that is just so abundant from the 80s and i feel like that showcases in the wardrobe the way that they talked their hair mm -hmm. and i feel like that's a response to that but i could also definitely see yours stating that like i'm over all of that which oh, so yeah <laughs> so we're gonna blow I it definitely up see both <laughs> <laughs> we get introduced to our four couples this is the people who are going to be introduced with the most time we get introduced to first technically allison and we get introduced to Susie barbara crampton and they work at and it's some like diner yeah some weird like almost hole in the wall restaurant that's at the mall for some reason and they work for some like sleazy looking cook who's all dirty and gross and has a cigarette in the food the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> i mean in the 80s you were still allowed to like smoke in dining rooms oh absolutely because that's when we also get our famous line hey babe it's babe isn't it <laughs> they say it three or four times throughout the rest of the i don't even remember that <laughs> i thought you were gonna say the waitress i need more butter <laughs> also this is that so random so random this movie and is like, so random and deadpan the way he delivered it i <laughs> can't take this movie seriously oh and you shouldn't you should never ever take this movie seriously and that's why i love it <laughs> but we get this dynamic that allison just moved here susie's her new friend they're work friends yeah they're work friends sure yeah. yeah and susie's trying to convince allison hey come hang out with a bunch of us other sexy 20 year olds we're gonna party it up in the mall and i'm not gonna lie that actually sounds fucking legit and i would have loved to do this shit I wouldn't mind having a party at the mall. I think somebody did have a party at the mall on my super sweet 16. No way. I think so, yeah. We also get introduced to our three main wieners, or three main guys. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. There's the nerdy one, there's the douchey one, and then there's the one who's in between. <laughs> It's literally, it's literally it. We get introduced <laughs> to our, our stereotypes, our archetypes, if you want to go that bad. But we get introduced to Ferdy, which is the worst fucking name. It sounds like the name of like a car cartoon character from the 1960s. 
<laughs> so we get introduced to <clears throat> Allison. We also get introduced to Susie. And the three guys is going to be Freddy, Rick, and Greg. Those are like the worst names. They're also the most, well, besides Ferdy, Rick and Greg are the most like basic names ever. They really are. Oh, and Mike. Mike is our wonderful, really hot, I'm not gonna lie, douchey guy who literally never stops chewing gum the entire uh, film. It drives me nuts because not only does it chew gum throughout the entire film, he chews it obnoxiously. And I can't, you know, in this family, you can't, if you're not chewing quietly, you're not chewing at all. Yeah, I used to get hit because I was chewing on tacos. How they're Same. crunchy. They're crunchy. How am I not gonna make sound? We get introduced to their they all work at a furniture store. I don't know if I'd ever want to work at a furniture store in the mall. It kind of sounds no. atrocious. But we get introduced to their dynamic and I really like them. You can totally feel that all of these characters know each other really well. Uh Ferdy is total meek, yeah, nervous they're guy. They're all fuck yeah, they all are uh, <laughs> introduces Ferdy is I thought he was so cute, but he's totally my type. Oh, the nerdy one with the glasses? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought he was cute too, though. I love the glasses. And then when they try to shush him up a little and they pull up in his unbuttoned shirt and he had hair underneath. And I was like, yes, and bitch, I'm keep gonna, going. And I'm going to say, <laughs> you're so stupid. And I'm going to say it now because multiple times John and I were watching it. was like, um, Shorty's packing heat in the front <gasps> and in the yes! back. I did <laughs> notice that bulge, bitch. Come on, khakis. Those those slacks were doing him all kinds of favors. See, every, there are so many butt shots, male, female, non-identifying in this movie. Everyone's up on the top, on the table, and I'm here for it. Well, it's a Roger Corman film, so of course there was a lot of gratuitous nudity and tits. Tits galore. So many titties. Nothing but bitties. Bitties, <laughs> bitch. Not even titties, bitties. They're all excited to have this get-together at once the mall closes. <clears throat> We also get introduced to Susie. Our, she's our total blonde caricature of like a bimbo. I don't know on any other phrase. She's our promiscuous yeah. girl. She's also an idiot. Majority of these characters are very much idiots and I live True. for it. <laughs> so once we get introduced to all the characters, it really goes fast from here on in we get to our party they lock themselves up into the furniture store they're all dancing having a great time uh there's one couple that's pretty much fucking on the dance floor one couple that the best way i can describe it is um caucasian dancing where it's like it's <laughs> caucasian dancing what is that is that like line dancing <laughs> <laughs> No, it's more like there's a beat happening, but they're off beat. And for some reason, they're like twitching while they dance. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, are you okay? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You She's just like, dancing. You look like you were seizing from across the way. <laughs> but we're really, really quick. Let me dial back just a couple of notches because before we actually get to the party, when the girls are off of their shift at the sleazy restaurant, they go and change in what apparently is a locker room at the mall. What, what the fuck kind of mall has a locker room for the employees to get dressed at? And you know it was just an excuse for more bitty shots because that's all it is. It's more gratuitous nudity. It is. There's there's a lot of gratuitous nudity. There's two very, I'm not going to say famous, two very, they stick out. 
<laughs> pun intended, they stick out <laughs> with two like major breast shots. And I can't wait to talk about them because one of them is so awkward. But mm-hmm. my question is, do you think they actually had lockers in the 80s for their employees? Or is that just like, <laughs> that's just no. for titty shot? No. Yes, <laughs> that was nearly for titties. They were like, how else are we going to get teens to see this movie? We got to put tits in there. We have tits to put tits in TNA. But Ferdy gets nervous and he gets introduced to Allison and Allison has the most wonderful character reveal for him. Yes! He gets to do that wonderful spotlight, spin around. Oh, hey. But her hair is Ooh, so me. quaffed. It is so blown out. Mm-hmm. And that sweater tied around her neck. Oh, she's a good girl. She was giving you like country club realness. <laughs> she was giving you growing pains, uh, <laughs> Fuller House, uh, newest. No, not season. even Fuller House, bitch. Full House, the original. <laughs> My bad. My bad. She's giving you full, full house. And I love it. And essentially, all that this is is that it leads up to everybody fucking in the fucking. same space. So I have a real problem yeah. with this. And it is so heteronormative. It's why do straight couples find it fine to all fuck in the same place, but they're all like fucking separately in separate areas? Fuck. Oh, like fuck instead it. of an orgy, like gay people do orgies, but at least we're all fucking together. <laughs> like y'all are y'all are in one room, but like in different corners of the room. What the fuck? It's so odd. Am I the only one that finds it odd? No, okay. I thought it was odd too, because then in addition to that, there's what? There's like three couples fucking. Uh-huh. And then there's the nerdy couple who just met and they're sitting on the couch watching some movie mm-hmm. and being all nerdy and cute together. Um, it was weird. It was some weird heteronormative, like you said, bullshit that we don't know nothing about. And who wants to? No, I'm not fucking in a furniture store at the mall. I'm too classy for that. Even though I, who hasn't thought about it? Like who hasn't thought about like, I mean, I'll fuck you behind the dumpster behind the mall, but not at the furniture store at the mall. <laughs> there was a lot of people there. They could have saw. Somebody could have seen. It's just so odd. And I'll insert this back in there because we totally skipped out, just skipped over them. But we also get introduced to our newly married couple who are literally just there for a body count. They have a new mechanic store. They they they're they're starting up because they use their marriage money. I don't know, straight shit. So we get introduced to that couple as well, and they also decide to party with them because they all know each other. We're, we're just here for bodies. That's all they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And TNA. But I want to talk about the heteronormative just like nature of like, originally when I first watched Chopping Mall, I thought Allison and Ferdy were queer. I know that they were into each other, but I just had this, because I have been to so many parties as a teen where it's just all the straight couples are all in different oh. rooms making out while you're that one queer kid who's just like, I guess I'll play with your Nintendo 64 while you guys are <laughs> you guys So you out. thought that there were the two secretly queer people who didn't want to fuck and just like kind of made a friendship together because of the two only two queer people at the party. Yeah, and that's- I see I, that. I can see that as a queer reading and that's absolutely me reaching, but that's just like queer cinema yeah. in general. We try and pick up on these things. But yeah. I just, I, I got that feeling and I try to like mask that when I watch the second go around because it is clear that Ferdy and Allison like each other and that could still happen. They could still both be bi, but they give off very strong <laughs> queer vibes. You know, there's always that queer nerdy kid who knows way too much about film because Ferdy consistently like references movies throughout the entire mm-hmm. movie. And Allison, as we later reveal, she can fucking take care of herself and shoot a gun like nobody's business. 
Oh yeah, she's a contender for Final Girl of Friday. Oh, she's absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think you are letting your feelings for Ferdy come into your <laughs> breakdown. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were reaching, bitches. Your arm hurt from reaching because oh, you were reaching. Oh my god, leave me alone, my little queer heart. Because I watched this, I think for the first time when I was like seventeen or eighteen. It's equally valuable. And now, a word from our sponsors. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. While all of this is happening, <clears throat> we have our wonderful, like, Frankenstein monster robots come to life thanks to... <laughs> a, a lightning strike? A freak lightning storm that nobody acknowledges. John was like, why is nobody freaked out that this giant storm is happening outside? Because it, like, shocks the top of the building where they have their security system slash control yes. room. So apparently the control system for the robots is on the roof of the mall, of course. And during this huge lightning storm, only only the box that controls the robots gets struck. Of Nothing course. else gets struck. The lights don't go out. Nothing mm-hmm. else goes out. Just the robots. And so this is when the robot awakens. And... <laughs> And all of a sudden, they're evil now because this was this was evil lightning that struck them. So <laughs> that's, gonna... that's all you need to know. That is it. They <laughs> short circuit. They're evil now, and they kill uh-huh. the first watch guard by jabbing him in the fucking throat. The second guy Ooh. comes in, and I caught it twice. Were people in the eighties just randomly dialing numbers? Because when the second guy comes in, and he's like, well, "Where did the guy go?" and he's just chilling, looking at porn, and just like eating the leftover guy's donut. Someone calls and it stops one of the killbots from like jabbing his little claw arm into his chest. And he's like, hello? You called me. What do you mean who this is? Whatever. And then he <laughs> hangs up. And it happens later on. It, I, fuck, I don't know. It might have been an ongoing thing. I don't know. Prank calls? Maybe that was a thing? Maybe. But these killbots, besides the fact that they're evil, also know how to cover up bodies. Because they take out that first guard, hide the body, and the second guy comes in and everything's fine. And the body's gone, the blood's gone, potty's what what happened to it, and then that's when they kill the second guy. How convenient is that? Wow. How convenient is fucking that? I love it. I love it. And then they decide to go on the rampage. So they're just securing the mall like they're built to do. And while that happens, of course, we get our lovely Susie who decides that she just needs to have a cigarette. So she make <laughs> so she makes Mike go out and get something for her. And we get one of the best shots in the in the in the movie, in my opinion. Cause she makes him go out to get cigarettes and she's like, oh, wait, one more thing. What? While he chews his fucking gum. And she lets down the blanket and shows off her mm-hmm. really nice, voluptuous boobies. Oh, oh yeah, they're back. nice. She's got a nice little rock. <laughs> it was very reminiscent of PJ Souls in Halloween. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I got from it. Um, yeah, total gratuitous nudity, did nothing for the story, but I get it. Um, another one of my favorite lines, which is around the same area, I believe, was when 
the other couple was trying to get it on and so they're making out they're getting hot and heavy and then the boyfriend's like you smell like pepperoni well if that's how you feel <laughs> and then no then you have to give the second line he's like i love pepperoni <laughs> you're selling it short you're selling it short <laughs> oh wait you smell like pepperoni well if that's how you feel wait i like pepperoni <laughs> <laughs> and then barbara crampton just all of a sudden oh okay hey let me show you my pepperonis <laughs> clap if you care it's so, it's so cheesy odd. i don't know why she just starts to like singing and then stripping and then going to making out I laughed so hard because the music I was expecting was like Buka de Beppo's because they were talking about pepperoni. So I was just, I was just you were expecting to hear like an accordion. Yes, I was expecting when the moon hits your eye, it's amore. That's when your bitties come out and knock you in the eye. <laughs> it's so odd. And all it is is honestly, we're just trying to get our boob count up because it's it a really is. shot. We should have had a boob count on this. <laughs> Uh, Mike decides to go leave to the store and we get a wonderful homoerotic moment of him just walking shirtless with no shoes in the mall. I understand mm -hmm. that it's supposed to be closed, but aren't you worried about janitors? And he's, uh, those pants are unbuttoned. You can't see his underwear. He's so hot. He's really fucking hot, even though he keeps chewing gum. Ugh. I know. I, so he finally makes it to the cigarette vending machine, which is apparently still a thing in the 80s. Did you clock how much it cost for a cigarette? Like a dollar twenty-five what or the something fuck? like that. <laughs> Bitch. So I used to smoke cigarettes back in the day. Okay. I did it for like a year. Horrible habit. Don't I don't recommend. <laughs> um but so cigarettes are already expensive, period. I think when I was I was obviously I live in LA, so they were at the time they were costing me like about roughly about five dollars a pack. Mm -hmm. At the time when I was still smoking, I traveled to New York to go visit for a week and I of course had to have a smoke there because I was addicted. Nicotine, I need my nicotine. Um, exactly. Bitch, a pack of cigarettes in New York cost me ten fucking dollars. Ten fucking not dollars. Not even over not even over exaggerating. And I was like, what the fuck? Ten dollars. I remember I was like I'm gonna quit smoking. <laughs> this, is <it. laughs> this is an expensive habit I cannot afford. So, anyways, that's beside the point. He he finds this uh, cigarette vending machine at the mall, which is apparently still a thing then. And then he gets another call from a payphone, and he answers <gasps> it, and it's like, "Hello? No, no, he didn't leave you any messages. Okay, like what the fuck is happening in the '80s?" <laughs> Now I see why you keep bringing up this like random phone call in the eighties thing. Yeah, you're right. That's I don't. This is this is what eight hundred thousand dollar budget will get you. This is the script you get. <laughs> so he finds the stupid vending machine. He's trying to buy his little bitches cigarettes, and then this is when the killer robot creeps up behind him. Autobots transform and roll out. <laughs> he comes on in and. <laughs> identification please and it's just like here's here's my badge you stupid little robot and for some reason i guess the scanner's broken because of the magic electricity and he just fucking knocks mike out who passes out and hides the body again yeah it it doesn't make sense but we get our famous line that he utters every single time he makes a kill thank you have a nice day 
<laughs> yeah, it's a great touch. That's like that's how you know what kind of movie you're watching when the fucking killer has a one-liner like that. And it's the same one-liner. They couldn't afford other <laughs> one-liners. I mean, what else does he say? Have a great day. It's so good. It's so good. Well, Mike's dead. While Mike's dying and everything's happening, we get our cameo from Dick Miller. He's our wonderful janitor. Mm -hmm. He's cleaning up. What is he cleaning up? I thought it was puke. I thought it, it was could puke have been too. It could have been melted milkshakes. It could have been diarrhea. I don't know what the it fuck. Could have it been was. all three, honestly. <laughs> so he's cleaning up this bile that's on the floor, and then two of his coworkers walk by and they just like heckle him and give him a hard time. And I was like, what kind of fucked up coworkers are that? I thought we were a team. <laughs> Whatever. Did we not have the same huddle today, guys? We're all supposed <laughs> to be picking up our shit today. So um, after they leave him, and then that's when another one of the robots comes up. And this is where we have to say goodbye to our friend. Dick Miller. Because he gets the sick-ass electrocution by vomit. So he, Thank you. Yeah, the robot throws out like a Batman batarang that has a wire attached and electrocutes his ass. That's uh, My note is literally... Uh, first death is death by electrocution by way of puke. By way of puke. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird, and I love it. I, I, I think these deaths are so fun because after these deaths, we get probably my favorite death out of the whole film. So oh. Susie goes to look out for Mike, mm -hmm. and when she goes, she's like, "What's happening, Mike? Where are you? My titties are getting cold." So as she gets close. <laughs> So as she gets closer, she realizes all of a sudden Mike's neck is just like Hold up, out. bitch. You are giving her too much credit. This bitch, she didn't see him because she's blind apparently. Walks over <laughs> to the machine. She has to trip over his dead body before she realizes that her boyfriend's dead. Listen, we're here. We know why Mike was with her because apparently even one of the characters was like, all they do is fucking fight. Fuck and fight. That's all they do. So she discovers his dead body and then boom, through the double doors to the right, here comes the killer robot because apparently he can open doors. <laughs> he so more he like down. just like rams through the doors and they just burst open. Like the fucking Kool-Aid man just like burst through. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> she makes the freaking run for it and as she's running, all of a sudden everybody stops fucking. They're like, oh my God, what's that? And as they look through their glass panels, she stops to scream one more time and we get the best death period, period. Mm -hmm. yes. Shoots his fucking lasers, which by the way, as he was shooting her while she ran, they were just like little zaps and she did like, ah. Thank you. But <laughs> ah. apparently the head is like the trigger point because he shoots a laser and it hits her in the head and poof. We have this, it's actually a pretty damn good special effect, if I say so myself. Effects, yeah. Of her entire head blowing up. And just brains and it guts everywhere all over the store and everyone it was like shit. It was like the kill out of scanners. You know what I'm talking That's about? The, I was thinking of the same, girl, get in my head. I was thinking <gasps> the same thing. It's... Mm -hmm easily the best kill out of the whole film and if you're gonna watch it you're gonna watch it for this scene because she's running around in just undies why is she running around in just undies in a mall 
Is she just got fucked? I don't know. <sighs> I don't understand. But when her head explodes, everybody freaks out, and that's when Killbot number two rolls on in, and they decide to run on into the furniture furniture store, break their shit down, and give like a total like platoon war scene as these poor like young twenty year olds make a beeline for the back door. Yeah, they totally just like break through this plate glass window like it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they just start coming after everybody and shooting lasers everywhere. It was like Star Wars. <laughs> Attack of the killer robots. It was, it, it's fucking great. They make their way to the back. They get the girls into an air duct and the men then decide to make a, there's another exit, maybe, I don't know. They run away and they make their way to a furniture, to a, what's it called? A sporting goods store that sells guns, bitch. And literally, I put it in my notes. Of course, I'm on America would sell guns. Mm-hmm. Of fucking course. And easily accept, ex- like accessible. Accessible. Uh huh. Not behind glass. The shells are right there. Help yourself. Bitch, it ha- I'm pretty sure they had a tag that said try me, you know, for kids 12 <laughs> and under. <laughs> Preloaded. Try me out. <laughs> These. The men then just load on up while the girls are running in this fucking heated vent because the robots realize that the girls are in the vent, so they start heating things up, and we get Susie Barbara Crampton being the worst Valley girl. She really is. She's just like the biggest like complain her complain complain her <laughs> complainer, <laughs> um, and she's like pretty fucking annoying. Like I would have oh, yeah. been like, bitch, just stay behind. We're gonna go. We'll come back for you. I would have left her ass, but for some reason, she's like, no, no, he needs me. I know he Ugh. needs me. And they listen to her and they find their way to a uh, a different sporting goods store. Cause apparently there's two and they load up <laughs> on gasoline. So while the girls are- Yeah, they make Molotov cocktails. Molotov cocktails. So while they're making those wonderful cocktails- There's always time for a cocktail. <laughs> the boys end up finding the other robot- throwing a gasoline tank at him and just shooting a ridiculous amount of times. Like it's fucking Grand Theft Auto and you're just randomly shooting all over the place to kill this fucking robot. And honestly, that's the realest part for me because like none of these bitches have ever touched a gun before. So they wouldn't be able to like oh, hit yeah. it with the first shot. That would, if it would have been me, I would have been like, I would have been shooting everyone. <laughs> would have been shot, but the fucking robot. Oh my God. It's, I like it because they're a bunch of early 20 year olds teens who actually fight back because in most horror movies you just like run for your life and call it running away yeah yeah and i really like that they added well, that part for their characters that's because they had no choice but to fight back because they can't get out because the doors remember the star wars doors oh i totally i forgot while the robots go through they get locked in it's really not it's it's part of the story why not it's you have there you have to create barriers and obstacles for your <laughs> But the boys blow up the goddamn robot. So when they blow up and they think that they destroyed this, this, <laughs> I, so they think, maybe so. So they finally think that they destroyed this kill robot, and we <laughs> the worst special effects because we see that small rinky dink, like little toy crane arm, supposedly able to lift itself off of the ground so that it can fix itself back up but the boys make a beeline to the elevator while they're trying to set up a booby trap. Mm-hmm. Another killbot chases the women and Susie just screams the whole time and she ends up tripping and we get, well, okay, she didn't trip. She got shot in the leg pretty gnarly. Oh, yeah, yeah. It takes a good little chunk out of her freaking leg. So when she falls, the kill robot decides, you know what? 
fuck you. And she um she catches on fire. Probably the worst kill of the movie. It's only because it's such a blatant cut to like a 40-year-old beef man. Stunt man. Stunt man in a wig. And poor Barbara Crampton is there for one shot and she's holding a gasoline tank. The killbot shoots that tank and then all of a sudden it's the 40-year-old man and like goop. Yeah, and then like, it's not even like a cool, like burning shot where they're like running around like, ah, ah, like put me out. She just like lays there on the floor. While screaming the whole time. Yeah. and I. <laughs> first watched it, I thought, I was like, why did any of the other girls try and help her? But then I realized that the robots were shooting lasers. And I was like, yeah, I probably wouldn't risk my life for her either. She's a really insufferable character and was complaining the whole time. Oh, you guys, <laughs> you... fuck her. You guys are so much better <laughs> off without Susie. Susie's dead. Goodbye, Susie. She burned alive. And the group- Girl, bye. Girl, bye. And the group decides to regroup and they rig up a new elevator trap that they end up getting the robot stuck in the elevator. Did you catch and the robot being able to do a 360 turn in that small space of the elevator. It's very Austin Powers. It was like, like <laughs> <laughs> he was like a Roomba. He was just like, zzz, zzz. <laughs> yeah, it was good. But that little like um, that booby trip they rigged up was actually pretty smart. It's very smart. They hooked up a bunch of gasoline tanks to the top of the elevator, get the robot in, close the elevator, and then we get some more sick ass reveals from Miss Allison because you're right, these are kids. They have no idea how to shoot. So once they start trying to sh shoot at the gas tank, we get Allison's sick ass, like superhero move. Mm-hmm. She finally pulls through as like a solid final girl. She's like, give me the gun. Because obviously they were missing the entire time. And she just, and she hits it with one shot and blows up these gas cans, which allows the elevator to fall and the robot bursts into flames. And it's great. And we get a reveal and they're like, what the fuck? How did you do that? My dad was a Marine, which apparently just that that's all the story you need. Yeah, apparently, like if your dad's a Marine, you gain all the skills that he has as well. Well, yeah, my dad's in the military. Don't you know I'm a sleeper agent just like waiting mm -hmm. to be activated? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go all born supremacy on your ass. <sighs> From there, the, the group decides to hide in the restaurant where Allison used to work. And we get Greg's like total freak out moment because his girlfriend died and he starts grilling Allison of like, why the fuck did you come back? And I thought it was so unwarranted. Greg, your girlfriend was stupid. Look, she's crying. Do you hear her crying? Like we care. I don't give a- I mean, I feel like he should have knew that by now. <laughs> How do you not know your girlfriend's stupid? He, Greg even goes as far as pulling his gun out on Ferdy and Allison because he's all upset. <laughs> That sounds like some rage issues. That like, is I don't, why? Rage issues. We're all trying to survive in this together. Why are you turning on me? Because your dumbass girlfriend's a dumbass. And just because you wanted her pepperoni slices. <laughs> He's like, I just wanted one more last taste of those pepperonis. Oh, <laughs> anyway, they decide to, you know what? We're going to have to kill this kill bot. We're going to have to go to the main control center. So they all run up these ridiculous amount of escalators and Greg being like, I need to avenge Susie's death goes up to the top and he gets total oh like God. Lion Kinged. And 
he does because this dumbass wants to like i gotta i gotta adventure but he's leading the pack and they're like wait wait they're like running like feet behind like yards behind him he makes his way to the top of the escalator and that's when he turns around to like i'm like hurry up guys let's go and boom killer robot comes up behind him and like you said it's lion king they, <laughs> for some reason these little these little bitch ass lobster claws that the robots are rocking the clients. they have they they have like the brutal strength of every man on planet earth and they can just like, <laughs> lift him over the railings and throw him from the third story of the mall It's actually a pretty solid death. Like seeing him fall all those levels is really gratifying. Mm -hmm. And once he hits, of course he's dead. Of course he's dead. So he better be dead. Of course, the remaining guy, the remaining survivors, who it's Allison, Freddie, Rick, and Linda, because I forgot Rick and Linda were there. Uh, we all did. They all did, dear. They end up getting ambushed by the thought to be dead other robot, and they end up taking refuge in what I thought was a JC Penney's. So they get into the JCPenney's or some sort of department store and they kind of camp out there for a hot second until they realize like they have to make their way out. So they come mm -hmm. up with this plan and they're like, oh, why don't we give them, you know, targets? They want targets, let's give them targets. And they look at the mannequins and realize like, oh, they could probably use these mannequins to help disguise themselves or make the robots think that these mannequins are real people. So they put up all these mannequins near the front door and then they lift the gates don't forget there's mirrors behind these mannequins but before right. we set up this plan i think we get maybe the worst and the best line uttered in the whole movie and it's i believe it's uttered by linda and linda says <clears throat> welcome to tcq theater <clears throat> i guess i'm just not used to being chased around a mall by killer robots and girl she is so committed to giving that line Bitch, who? Who do you think is used to being chased by killer robots? Like fucking Luke Skywalker from Star Wars? Oh my god, I out. would gag if Mark Hamill appeared. <laughs> He's like, me too! <laughs> I feel that. But they do set up that new... <clears throat> they do set up their trap with a bunch of mannequins. They lift the doors and the killer robots think... I, I guess the killer robots think mannequins are people? Whatever. But they start shooting and we get the funniest like R2-D2 moment because he shoots his laser out, hits the mirror, and it hits him back because science. And he starts doing the... <laughs> and I... <laughs> and spitting out. Yes! It starts shooting randomly all over the place. It's great. I think it's fucking hilarious. It's this is how you know you should take this movie seriously. It's and just so fun. I literally wrote in my notes like the mirrors reflect lasers now. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, these mirrors reflect lasers. It hits the robot back. They start spinning out of control, and then what's his face jumps onto like a mall cart. No, 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 no. You need to give a reason. So it starts shooting, and it. <laughs> shoots Linda and she does a Power Ranger fall where like they get hit and then it's a split second and then they fall over and then she's bleeding out of the mouth because she doesn't even explode. They couldn't afford another explosion. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's just dead. Linda dies and Rick, that being his fiance, is like, no, that's when he gets on a mall cart. What is it? Sure, I don't know, some sort of little, I call it a mall <laughs> cart because they're in a mall and it's a cart. And he just like rams into the robot and why not it explodes yeah that, that's the, that's like the achilles heel of this robot is mall carts <laughs> it's the one weakness damn it why didn't we think about mall carts 
so fucking stupid. It's the final robot. Alice and Ferdy decide to split up because they want to. And Allison's like quipping a little bitch and split up. You can hear me. So they go their separate ways and Allison gets cornered by the final robot. And then Ferdy finds finds her he shoots the stupid robot in the face so it can no longer shoot lasers so what does it do it chases ferdy out and ferdy tries to throw a gas tank at him and those fucking weird little arms this is my strong arm grabs (laughs) that fucking tank and yanks it at fucking ferdy and he starts bleeding behind his head because it hit him why not Mm -hmm. that's when we get our classic final goal realization moment where mm-hmm. all your friends are dead. Uh, you got to muster up your courage and defeat the final boss, essentially. It's, yeah. And so this is when Allison goes into final go mode and she finds the paint store because every mall has a paint store. No? Pet store. <gasps> she does go into the pet store first. She goes mm-hmm. into the pet store to go hide so out. So many stores, so many looks. <laughs> she People goes to the pet store to go uh, hide out and hides underneath some dog food for some reason. For some reason, the robot knocks over. It's <clears throat> She goes through this like triathlon because it happens really quickly and it's ridiculous because it's just this... It's a Roomba chasing her through the mall the last like <laughs> 10 minutes. So A Roomba with lasers. A Roomba with lasers and a knife. A laser attached <laughs> to their freaking heads. but he chases her through the mall and we get two big moments we get the pet store where she hides and he knocks over the snake and the spider situation tarantulas and she has to go through that her second trial is when she's running and she goes through the food court in order to fake out she holds herself over the guardrail and every time we get a shot of her dangling on the guardrail it's the 45 year old stuntman again just trying to hide Uh his face and we keep getting cut between and she releases during a tension filled moment and lands on those got on like some tent this poor girl her leg gets fucked up her sides all fucked up she's just tore up from the floor up and that's when she goes to the paint store and that was the night the lights went out in Brooklyn she finally makes her way to this paint store that, for some reason, th- this mall has a paint store. Sherman Williams. And, and she, like, starts opening up cans and cans of paint and throwing them all over the floor. And paint thinner. Like some weird modern artist. And then, yeah, she throws <laughs> paint thinner on top of that because she forgot that she put a emergency road flare in her titties because this movie is just all about titties. Titties came to save the day. So yeah, she throws all this paint all over the floor and then all this paint thinner on top of it. The, the robot finally tracks her down to the paint store. She calls him down to come get her. And then the robot gets stuck in the paint and the paint thinner because it's so slippery and he can't move and he can't turn around. And then that's when she lights her flare up and then she uses their uh, line against them where she says, have a nice day. Thank you. Have a nice day. <sighs> Throws a flare in there and blows up in flames. It's a pretty, it's a pretty sick explosion. It's very Michael Bay. For their budget, yeah, it was very Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> she destroys them. It's Allison as she leaves. Of course, Ferdy's still alive, and he used a full toilet paper roll to like help his injury, <laughs> and I fucking love it. I noticed that too. I was like, why does he have a whole toilet paper roll? But what I mean, I guess what else was he gonna use? He was in a mall. 
and they hug it out and it's wonderful. They survived, they did it together. They survived the mall and the doors open up and it's the end of the film. We do get a post credits. <laughs> we do, fuck you. We do get a post credit scene where another robot awakens and it says, have a nice day. Cause there's supposed to be a fourth one. Cause why not? Cause they wanted to do a sequel. I'm good. Let me a sequel. Really? Okay. So final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, it's a solid B movie. We're both like B movie fans. I love a good bad movie, and this one is one for the lo- one for the books. It's got it's so fun, cheesy killers. Like you can't take killer robots seriously. No, it's eighties cult, like eighties mall culture at its finest. Um, it's got gratuitous- fashion at its fan- at its height gratuitous titty shots if that's your thing so many butt shot bold shots bold shots 80s directors and directors going forward it i want like a balance now i need if you're gonna give me a titty shot i better get like a full male ass shot or flash Mm -hmm. me something do it you cowards Mm -hmm. i want to see hole (laughs) (laughs) but uh, this movie it's called choppy mall for christ's sake Mm -hmm. like it's it's a B horror movie at its finest, I would have to say. And I'm coming from two B horror movies uh, lovers. I would highly recommend if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, I think I would have to give this movie a two point five out of five. Ooh, ooh! Oh, she mad, man. <laughs> it's it's a B movie for sure. So I hear what you're saying, and I understand. I I understand your concerns, but I do not have the same concerns. <laughs> I adore this movie. This is the number one movie I make every one of my friends watch. I think it is the best time. I think the script is stupid and hilarious. There's so many fucking one-liners. I think the special effects are hilarious when they're done bad and spectacular when they're done well looking at you exploding head this Mm -hmm. movie for me anytime someone would if they were to ask me what is like a 1980s movie you would recommend to be honest it's not nightmare on elm street it's none of the friday the 13th it's this movie this movie for some reason for me is just has great nostalgia factor i think the kills are inventive and hilarious i think the actresses by the way, who did a majority of their own stunts are great. I think Allison's funny. I think Susie is a great, like, promiscuous character. They're so fun. It's so fun. So because I think it's so fun, and please do not stab me, but I'm giving it, like, a four out of five. (gasps) (laughs) You have nerve, bitch. Why? You have it's so you fun. just have a hard on for this movie. I it is do. not that great. I it is fucking not that great. Love this movie. The I only- can't believe you were gonna get dragged for suggesting this for promoting this over Nightmare and over Friday the Thirteenth. You were gonna get so dragged. Bitch. I need it to be known. I'm not saying that I don't like those movies. I just think that this movie is the perfect representation of the 80s. So if you're asking for like an 80s movie, this is the movie I'm going to recommend. If you're asking for like 80s horror and gen- like in general, 
I will always recommend other horror movies. The only reason why I'm giving it a four out of five is probably nostalgia, but because you are getting exactly what you think you're getting out of this movie. It's not promoting anything better. It's not promoting anything worse. You know exactly the type of movie you're putting in the minute you put this on. True. That is very true. This movie doesn't promise to be anything more than what it is. And it's that pure camp. is a horror movie. It is pure camp. And I will stand by that four out of five. I, I know it's like an ironic four out of five. And you can come after me for it if you want to. It's a tongue in cheek four out of five. Thank uh, that you. is very, very fucking generous on your end. Fine. A 3.5. Um, no, go ahead. Keep your four, bitch. <laughs> Keep your four. You said what you said. You I said what I said. It's there forever. But I, I understand why you like it so much. And and don't get me wrong, even though I gave it like a pretty low score, I obviously own this movie. I enjoy <laughs> this movie. I appreciate this movie. Um, but out of like B-horror movies, there's probably other ones that I enjoy more. And you know my number one is, and hopefully we'll get to it on this podcast. But I, there are other B-movies that I prefer over this one, but it's still good. I will respect your opinions. However, they are not my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> For next week's flick, I am very, very ecstatic to finally be able to do one of these movies. They are our top movies. I don't care what people say about this fourth iteration. I still think it belongs in the canon. Do you want to tell them what we're going to be watching? So next up on the tracking excuse me, chopping block for April is going to be Scream 4. It is going to be celebrating its 10th anniversary on April 15th. That makes me feel so freaking old. I know. Like we've said before, it's just like we really are not really planning this (laughs) to like this anniversary like it just so happens that these are the movies we're choosing and they happen to fall on some sort of anniversary it's pretty weird um but yes this was like the controversial almost sequel to the now quadrilogy possibly going on to a quintilogy however you want to call it even i don't think it's as controversial as three but (laughs) it is uh (laughs) it it I can't wait to talk about it. I'm not going to reveal anything yet because Scream 4, I have so many opinions. Don't we all, dear? (laughs) If you would like to keep up with the queens, you can follow us on Instagram at the Carpenter Queens. Twitter is at Carpenter Queens. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. My personal account is at STFU Ray. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate, comment, subscribe for the Carpenter Queens. Come visit us whenever we're on our shifts at the TCQ Video Store. Mm-hmm. And if we're not on a ship, we're usually out back behind the dumpster smoking, so you can catch us there too. <laughs> but that concludes today's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed our breakdown of Choppy Mall and all of its B horror movie deliciousness. <laughs> um, so by all means, check it out if you enjoyed our pod. But that's it for today's episode, and we'll catch you on the flip side, guys. Bye, you guys. See you on the bye. next one. Bye, 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 bye. bye, 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 bye. bye, bye.